Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Power Women in Insurance podcast. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I am actually on vacation this week with my husband. We are in the middle of Broken Bow, Oklahoma. If you have not been up here, it is amazing, and it is gorgeous, and it is also extremely rainy. We have had in Texas and Oklahoma an extremely wet spring so far. It is the week before Memorial Day. It's actually May 25th, and um, we are recording today. But my husband, Marcus Hunter, and I were talking about just couples and the struggles that everybody goes through with entrepreneurship and how the challenges that we've had are not necessarily unique, even though I think we have a very unique story, just my opinion. I agree. Yes, we have a very unique story. Yeah. So um, I thought it might be able to encourage people out there who are on their own entrepreneurial journey and um, also be able to help people maybe who have some challenges along those journeys to be that journey to be able to help themselves kind of through the journey. So one thing I want to make sure that you guys know is this is more than likely going to be a two-part podcast because this is kind of a long story. So this is part one of what is expected to be two parts. And um, also on the other side of that is this is going to be a really real conversation. It is going to be we're not necessarily going to sit here and censor language, which we're not going to go all whole hog with anything bad or anything. But at the same I will, point, I will mind my P's and Q's as much as my I husband can. sometimes can um, get a little bit feisty, salty, salty. So um, anyway, but we are going to just keep this real, just keep it flowing, keep it honest. And uh, one thing that Marcus and I definitely value in our relationship is honesty. <laughs> so we're going to do that. So everybody, oh my gosh, let me introduce to you today. The man, the myth, the legend, Marcus Hunter. Marcus. I'm speechless. I don't know how to respond to that. But thank you very much. I appreciate it, Teresa. I know. I know. Super excited. So I'm excited. Are you, are you nervous about this? Just to... No, not at all. Okay. I didn't think so. You're pretty low-key. So I wanted to be able to start off today, first of all, because this is really important, I think, is to kind of go over both of our business backgrounds just super fast, because that goes into so much of our story with our marriage, even, and um, how we have approached my owning the agency. Um, just for everybody out there, I've owned the Sterling Insurance Group now for 18 and a half years. It'll be 19 in January. And... Um, my degree is elementary education, but I was a stay-at-home mom when my dad came to me and said, hey, I'm with Allstate. I have a non-compete. We want to open up an independent, and we want you to be able to open that. So I had no insurance experience, no technical business experience. And then on the other side of this conversation, I met Marcus 13 years ago, and uh, he came in with a totally different business background. Marcus, tell us a little bit about your business background. So I've been in the metals distribution industry uh, for 36 years. Uh, that's been my background. Uh, I've held various management positions and roles. I've been involved in corporate training, uh, uh, black, uh, you know, Six Sigma black belt uh, training as well. So uh, I grew up in a very corporate environment, but the company I worked for, uh, for the bulk of my career, for about half of my career, uh, was very entrepreneurial in spirit. So as a out, inside salesperson, outside salesperson, 
and manager, you were taught that your business, you run it the way inside of certain constraints. We're giving you freedom to be able to operate as if it was your own business. So I thought I understood entrepreneurship right. from a corporate level, but that was, I understood it from a corporate level, not from a ground floor starting something from scratch level. Right. So. And I think there's a lot of difference in that too. It's just because <clears throat> you guys were given a lot of resources, a lot of processes, a lot mm -hmm. of training. You guys had people that did the other parts of the business. There, there was infrastructure. There was still a machine. There was right. still a process. There was an infrastructure and there was a back end support network that as entrepreneurs, all of you out there know that you're it. Right. And 99.9% .9 of the cases, you're the backbone. You're the right. backup. You're the one that gets it done at the end of the day. Well, and I think too, corporately, a lot of people, they might have like a bank <clears throat> of resumes, right? That they can, like, if somebody doesn't work out for you, I mean, there's always the concept that sometimes, you know, the job market isn't as flush as other times, but you can generally go ahead and replace someone in that position. And you have a lot more, you have a lot more flexibility financially to hire the quote unquote right person than I think entrepreneurs have sometimes as well. Right. There's, there's certainly much more financial capital and resources available. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I, you know, I, I went to school. Um, my company paid for me to get my MBA. Right. Uh, I worked full time. I was a full time parent to two, uh, two young boys, uh, raised them on my own uh, from the time they were nine and 12. And, uh, you know, went to, went to graduate school and graduated right. uh, and got my MBA. And I did that because I wanted to have relevance and value in a marketplace because the industry I was involved in at that point in time was going through a tremendous amount of uh, consolidation mm -hmm. inside the industry. So I wanted to plan uh, to be successful and to move forward into a totally different industry if I needed to. Little did I know that I would end up being involved in the insurance business. Right. Right. So, and it's super different than a lot, most other industries too. Cause it's, you know, you were used to <clears throat> selling things at a much different profit level and margin and having control over that profit level and that margin. Whereas with insurance, it's like we, you know, the, the, the price that the insurance carrier algorithm has on the back end is what we have. I and mean, we can shop the market as an independent agent and, and those all state agents and state farm agents and Farmers can't necessarily do that as much, but as an independent agent, we can shop it, but we don't have a ton of control over the price as much as you guys do. Cause I mean, you buy at a certain price and you mark it up at a certain price and then, you know, you end up doing what it takes to be able to make that sale, but you get as much margin as you can on the profit level. Right. And the products that I were selling are, were actually physical um, material products. Right. Uh, that you put on a truck, you deliver to a, man, a manufacturing facility, and they made a, a product out of it. In insurance, you're selling a concept, you're selling a need, you're selling a pain point. Uh, you're trying to address managing risk for a client that maybe doesn't understand conceptually what risk really means. Right. So it's a totally different industry. It's a totally different concept that you're you're trying to communicate to folks that really far too many times, and you're listening to this podcast, you'll know, it gets frustrating because people just don't get it. Right. For $10 a month, they'll go down the road to somebody else. And, right. And cut their coverages in half. And, and yeah. In the industry I was in, I, mean, I could build a reputation. I could build authority. Uh, 
inside of, of certain market segments and with certain customers uh, that I was viewed as the authority and the expert on particular subject matters. And in insurance, that's what you're trying to do right. is build that authority, that authenticity, that identity with your clients. So it was, uh, it was a big cultural shift for me going from corporate, huge financial resources, um, back in support, <laughs> going into, you're on your own today, cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> make it happen. Totally, right. Totally. So. so just so the listener knows, um, I wanted to make sure everybody knows that we met 13 years ago. I had gone through a divorce with my first husband and, um, and I took a class because I found myself very, just very frustrated, very angry, very alone. And a friend of mine rec recommended uh, a group called Divorce Care. And it just really walked you through the phases of healing after a divorce. And Marcus had also been through a divorce um, a little bit earlier than me. And he had gone through the class and done it multiple times. And he had actually become a facilitator in the program. And um, so then whenever I came through, he actually took a sabbatical and he was not in my group and he wasn't leading my group. But then they asked me to help lead the group. And when I did, he came back from sabbatical and he and I ended up running this um, divorce care group, which was kind of funny because we just are very different personalities. But obviously we work really well together. So, um, so Marcus, tell, tell everybody about how, how we met a little bit better. Well, Coming back from that sabbatical, I, you know, I'd, I'd gone through, uh, I'd been leading the class for about a year and a half, almost two years. So I needed a little bit of break psychologically. I came back and here was this, you know, five foot, and I'm going to go ahead and say three. I am five foot five three. Foot I'm three, almost five foot four though. Blonde, blonde bombshell that walked in and she just owned the room. She owned the space. And I, you know, I'm kind of, uh, from a, from a leadership position, I, I'm more quiet. I'm more conservative. I, I, I have a professional air about myself. Um, and I, I look like I'm kind of, I don't, I'm not stuffy, but in a position like that, I want to make sure that I'm being professional and leading the group in, a, in an appropriate way. And Teresa and this other lady that was in a leadership role we just sat there and the class is supposed to start at six o'clock and, you know, 620, they're still sitting there talking and I'm like going, uh, 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 <laughs> we're like, starting the class. Shh, shh. Everybody be quiet. Be quiet. We got to get going. Teresa, you need to 620. It was like 602. Teresa. You it was like 602. Teresa, you need you to be quiet. You made it such a big deal. You need to be quiet. Whatever. And but I was bonding with everybody. I guess I know. It was party six. Party City. I know. We had a great time. Mm -hmm. So we led the class. And in the process, we ended up hanging out a little bit on the side and um, ended up just kind of connecting with each other. But I had, um, my dad actually had another business that I was helping out with simultaneously. And I needed somebody to help me put a business plan together because we were looking for some financing. So I reached out to Marcus because I knew he had his MBA. And I said, hey, do you know anybody that could possibly help me create a business plan? And he looked at me and said, um, who got my MBA? I'm an entrepreneur. I could do that. I was like, no, 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 no. No, she said, I need someone that knows what they're doing. I did not. Yes, you did. I you did not. You said that 100%. I said, I wanted like a professional <laughs> to be able to help me put together a business plan. 
And um, and I didn't take that personally at all. Oh yeah, no, we're still talking about 13 years later. Yes, exactly. So anyway, so then I did a little bit more research, figured out it was gonna be like three grand to have somebody help me put together like an official business plan. And so then I went back to him and I'm like, um, okay, um, let's go ahead and move forward with your idea, Marcus. Yeah, let's meet at Barnes and Noble and uh, I'll buy you a chai tea. That's a hell of a lot cheaper than a three thousand dollar business. It was. It was. Of course, it's been more expensive long term. But um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) For whom? (laughs) So we started hanging out, building this business plan, and all this other good stuff. And um, it was just very, very interesting. So Marcus, when he came to hang out with me, and this is where I think the podcast is going to get really interesting. But when I first started hanging out with Marcus, I had been in this business building this insurance agency. And my dad had another agency that I was very involved with as or another business that I was very involved with as well. And I just felt like I was missing something, some secret sauce that business people knew that would make my life easier, that would make my life smoother, and it would just make everything work. And I felt like maybe Marcus had that, that key in his knowledge toolbox to be able to pull out, to help me to be able to reach that. And he was very helpful with the business plan, with financial ideas, with ideas on how to deal with people and resources. And he had a really, really strong air about him professionally and personally. And I love that he would come meet me for meetings and stuff like that. As much as he wanted to be so professional, he'd show up with his muscle shirt on after he went to go lift weights and his do-rag on and his tattoo showing and his, his driving his motorcycle. And he'd show up and I was like, Ooh, he's, he's, he's a little bit, uh, a little bit hot. So we'd have these conversations and um, he wooed me over all these business conversations. Yes. <laughs> It was part of the business plan. But, you know, back then, back then, I think you really thought that you were going to be able to come on in, sweep me off my feet which, with this business knowledge that you had, and that we were going to be able to go fix everything, just boom. Like, just if I just listened to you, just boom, everything was just going to work. Right. And I, I really thought that um, with, my, with my business experience, that you being the bohemian-esque uh, flower child that you are, you bring the creativity, uh, and the energy and the excitement and the motivation into the business. And you think so far out of the box that I would be able to then drive the other side of the equation, which was going to be the more down to earth. These are the nuts and bolts. These are financial things that we need to take a look at. Here's what are going to be the drivers. Here's the metrics that we're going to measure the business by, et cetera. And you wanted nothing to do with any of that. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Now that I look back, and I think now, it's just. And now you're a financial spreadsheet driven person. I am. To a I, large am. I am. So you've really done a good job helping me to be able to get that direction. Now I do think also though, you just talk about the male versus female element of that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, um, I mean, I had two kids still at home at that point. Your kids were, were grown and out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitchell was 21 at that point. Who's your youngest? They were both in college. Right. They were both at college, away at college, like Mm -hmm. physically living away at college. Mm -hmm. And I think that I really wanted you to sweep on in and I really wanted you to come on in and fix everything. But at the same point, I wanted you to fix it the way I wanted you to fix it, which was very much of a low key bohemian way. And you did not necessarily have that nature in you, especially when it came to business. Right. And you, 
you bring a very um, nurturing, uh, beyond mentoring approach uh, to, to business, which is awesome and amazing because people feel they, it's not that they feel it, it's that they know that they're appreciated, that they're loved, that, uh, that the, the work that they do is meaningful and that you have a vision and you want them, you want to see them succeed. Right. At the same time as the business is succeeding, you want them to buy into we're we're family. Okay. It's a a family business. Right. We we want you to be a part of our tribe. Right. Right. That's what we want. We want a tribe. Uh, I grew up in a business that environment that was, it was kind of that way, but you know, at the end of the day, if someone needed to get their butt handed to them because they were screwing something up, you got your butt handed to you. Right. And it wasn't personal. And one of the first conversations we had, I said, look, it's business. It's not personal. Right. Right. And you didn't get that at all. Well, I don't think that I had really, number one, my, my degree was elementary education and teaching everything's personal. You do what it takes to make the kid learn, right. To be able to get through to the kid. And people always hear about all these, like who your favorite teacher really made a difference in your world and all this other stuff. And I think I approached business from that perspective as well to, to do what it took to make a difference in somebody's world, which is what I love about insurance is because insurance is there for people when they need it most, when the world collapses around them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've loved about insurance and the, the message of insurance and the, the vision of insurance and the passion of insurance. That's what I love about insurance is that it's there for you when you need it most. And um, I think for my team and just for me and you and um, my dad works with us and works with me and all of that, that I wanted to be that still. I, I wanted that. And that's an important component of what you bring to the table inside inside the company. Uh, and the mission statements that you have, the vision that you have for the business and for the folks that are part of the team. Uh, at the same time, I know you don't like this word. You hate this word. It's called accountability. I don't hate and, the word. And people need to be held responsible and accountable to a certain degree. Now, there are, yes, mentor, lead, that is our role as owners or leaders in a business. Right. We need to make sure that we help people grow as much as they're capable of growing. But as an entrepreneur, you're always faced with, uh, until you, until you get to a certain size, you're struggling with how many, how much financial resources do I have? How many hours in a day do I have in order to be able to contribute to someone else's growth? Right. Right. You still, at the end of the day, you still have a business to run. Right. And you need to be able to make profit. Yeah, exactly. In, I think that's, order and I wanted to put to, people before profit and it ended up making it to where we were not profitable. And just for and everybody created, out there, Marcus that, actually left the job that he had to be able to come on over and help us run, help run the agency full time. So he did leave his, his, his industry. I left the six figure plus job. Uh, with benefits, bonuses, incentives, et cetera, and invested uh, money into the business. And time. And yeah. Uh, yeah and, time and that's and when we got married. And everything else we got. Right. We got married at the same time. Uh, and that put a, tr- it, that put more strain on 
Teresa and I, then I think either one of us had the ability to be able to comprehend. Right. No, I agree. The strain that it was going to put on our relationship. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit NBS Brokerage dot com cast certified so i think it made me super like dedicated to the idea of working like all the time to try to make things work but at the same point because i really wanted the, the business to work i really wanted us to figure out a way to work together because you were very cut and dry like boom this needs to change and i was like let's talk about it let's figure out the best way to make that change and then i might even like wait a little bit longer to make the change that we originally agreed to and i ended up pushing i think really a lot of your buttons in that arena because we would you had taken the pay cut you were you know partnering with us and i think too you were really surprised at the profit margins and how much work had to go into being able to bring in a decent quantity of money into the agency because we're talking about, because we do personal lines at Sterling in the vast majority. And especially back then we didn't do any commercial. So like our profit margins were, you know, 200 bucks per year to be able to chase that person down and be able to make that sale, which I think for you was very hard emotionally to be able to make that change as well. You didn't understand kind of how that was really going to work. No, I had, I had no clue how difficult and how challenging uh, chasing, uh, uh, you know, $2,000 homeowner's policy or auto, auto policy uh, was going to be and that people would, just, were, you know, they were going to call up. Uh, Saturday uh, afternoons. On, call up on Saturday <laughs> afternoons or Sunday nights or yeah. whatever. And for uh, like $200 a year for $200 a year. And I'm like going, really? I mean, you, you don't have anything better to do tonight than call me and expect me to, you know, issue something for you. This is nuts. Um, I was used to doing, you know, multi-million dollar deals right. uh, on a regular basis. So it, yes, it was very humbling. It was very eye opening. Uh, and it was very overwhelming. Uh, and while we were going through that, you know, we, we had limited financial resources in order to be able to move this thing forward. Right. And I was negligent uh, in my responsibility to our relationship by not sharing with you specifically, explicitly in, in writing. This, <laughs> in writing. <laughs> this, this, is, this is the investment I perceive I'm making and for us to try to do this. And I did not, I was not transparent with you on how much the money, financial toll, the, the financial toll yeah. that I perceived I was sacrificing in order for us to be able to build this business and move forward. So then when you, with your mothering, nurturing propensities, and saying, well, you know, let's not push it too hard. We don't want to upset people. I was like going, I don't, I really don't give a shit if they get upset or not. Right. right. Push forward. 
get it done. Right. And and that created tension and stress between us. It did. It did. And I think, you know, we were both working really hard to be able to keep the business going. And simultaneously, we were going into debt because I did, we didn't, we weren't really communicating on how much financially the different areas of this business were really taking a toll on either one of us, as far as the business, as far as business finances, as far as our personal finances, you're putting a lot of things on like credit cards and digging into your savings account and to be able to keep, keep everything thing where you, you know, and like we'd go out for dinner and you'd be like, oh, no big deal. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, a week later, it was a big deal. And mm-hmm. and I didn't understand kind of what was going on. We just didn't communicate well. And how many people out there when they are going into a business don't communicate with their spouse where the business is, the finances, the emotional toil, the 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 struggles because then it got to the point where whenever we would talk about the struggles whenever we would talk about the finances whenever we would talk about these things all of a sudden it was this this stuff just needs to be fixed like boom it just needs to be done boom and i would be like but i need to think it through and i need to talk about it and then that caused an additional problem where we didn't feel like we could talk to each other Mm -hmm. because we both sat in so much judgment of each other Mm at that point that uh, we both felt very hurt and we both felt very, um, I'm not gonna use the word lied to because I don't think we both felt lied to, but I think we both felt like there was a lot we were missing and that there was some um, uh, smoke and mirrors somewhere that we weren't really getting. I, I think we were both lost. We were lost. And, and if you would have asked us, well, let me ask you right now, when we, okay. when, when we first got married, Right. Okay. When we were first starting, started dating, when we first started into the business, if you'd ask either one of us, what are your, what, at what level are you at in communicating? A being the best, F being absolute worst. Where would you have put our communication? Oh, I put, put, I probably would have put, oh, and I felt like our communication was really good. I mean, when we first met, I mean, it was like this fire. It was like, we just really felt like we knew each other. We got each other. We we were going into business together. I would have said it was, it was a plus. Yeah. Well, I don't know about a plus. I would have said like an A, A minus, but yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. I'm an overachiever. I say whatever. (laughs) So it was at an A. Right. right? And then all of a sudden we both just kind of like, I don't know. There was one. We all got butthurt about yeah. a lot of different stuff. And all of a sudden we both like, it was like a, like a turtle. We both just like crawled into our own little shells. I was just like sitting there looking at you going, who the hell have you turned into? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And you were looking at me saying the exact same thing. I was. We were confused. We were hurt. Yep. Um, and both working 24 hours a day to try to get everything done that we needed to get done. Right. And there, and there just, there was never a moment where it let up. We talked, lived and breathed business 24 seven. Yep. We never shut down totally or completely. Right. I mean, on our honeymoon, what did I tell you? We had a bet. No phone calls. Right. We had a bet to see who was going to work first Mm -hmm. and who won. You won. I won because you worked first. <laughs> I sold. I sold a homeowner's and automobile policy to pay for the freaking honeymoon. We didn't even pay for the freaking honeymoon. It was like two hundred bucks a year. That didn't pay for whatever. It started paying for it. Whatever. It, it, it paid for our bar bill that night. <laughs> <laughs> Part of it. Part of the bar bill. Part of the bar bill. But the key really is that I think it was really something that we both had to be able to come to grips with the fact that I needed to be able to step up as the business owner because I really wanted my dad to be quote unquote the business owner. But then when we brought you on, 
we needed to be business owners together. And I was not willing to do what it took at that point to be able to do that. But then at the same point, I don't think you truly, I'm not going to use the word understood. You truly saw the, the ramifications of if we made this choice, how are we going to get us still where we want to go? Just because we let somebody go, are we willing to do all the extra work? It just because if we do this, what do we have to do on the other side of that to get the work done? And we didn't have a bank of people to be able to hire from. We didn't have a bank of money to be able to hire from. And we were both burning the candle at both ends. And we were both going into debt and we were both completely miserable. And our children really felt that too. So Mm -hmm. Marcus has two kids and I have two kids. And when we originally got married, all of our kids were very involved in the family. We were all very family oriented, but through this process, I got to say, even our kids saw the stress. Yes. All four of them. They would have had to have been deaf, dumb, and blind not to have seen what was going on. Right. I mean, it it, it manifested itself on a daily basis. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, it did create stress uh, for the kids. Right. And they didn't uh, even, I mean, three stress. of them, well, two and a half, my son was in and out at that point trying to figure out what's going on. But my daughter... Kaylee lived with us. And then my son was 18, 19 at that point, trying to figure out what he was doing. He was in and out, but your two even didn't even physically live with us. And they felt that stress when they were in our home. Right. Um, You know, there were different life events that took place uh, that uh, I know that my reactions and things that I said and I did uh, were a result of all of the stress uh, that we were under right. from a business standpoint. I mean, you, putting a blended family together, number one, is is a challenge in and of itself. Right. But then take someone that's used to corporate America, getting a paycheck, you know, every two weeks with benefits, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, you know what? You get paid what you get paid at the end of the month based on what you sold. Right. Period. In a conversation. Right. I've been in sales my whole career. I understood the concept, but I'd never been compensated that way. Right. You know, always had a salary job and then I had incentives, bonuses, whatever on top of that. So to have everything, all of that rip, all that infrastructure ripped out from underneath me and then seeing just how raw Mm. and just how, I mean, it's brutal. And how personal. It's very personal. And there's, and, and if you don't, and if the money doesn't come in, then you don't get the, paid. You don't get paid. Period. Right. In the conversation. Right. So you have to be ready for that. Right. And I wasn't, I thought I was ready for that. No, I, there was no way. I was nowhere close to being ready for right. that reality. Right. Uh, and that was part of the struggle. It was, you know, being ready for that. And at the same time, trying to find a way to help, to help you understand some of the very fundamental basic business principles and tenants that you that needed to be incorporated inside your organization and doing it without it being offensive right without it threatening uh people that uh had been a part of the company for a long period of time right uh that um i felt like there needed to be certain changes and different different directions to go in a number of different areas in order to be able to make the business 
a solid viable business moving forward that would provide us the residual income that we would want for the balance of our lives. Right. Right. And I failed miserably uh, in not finding the right approach and expressing to you how those changes could be made and the benefits that would be there for you as the business owner and for me. And, and let's be very clear. Uh, you know, it, it is a weird dynamic when your spouse is your boss. Right. I mean, it is. It is. I mean, it is. And I don't care if you're the guy or the girl. Okay. It doesn't matter. Right. At the end of the day, one of the hardest things that I had to acknowledge was end of the day, this is Teresa's business. Right. You, but buck stops here. You make the final decision, not me. I can sit there and give you advice. I can share ideas with you. Right. We can talk things through, but at the end of the day, it's your call. And I have to respect what your decision is. I don't have to agree with it, but I got to respect it. Right. Yeah. And that was a challenge for a while because I was used to corporate America, blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I know what the hell I'm doing, but you know, you're, right. you got a, you're, you're a school teacher. What the hell do you know? Right. Look, you know a lot. Okay. Well, and I do, and I do, and you I do, but I didn't trust myself it. either. And I think that's really a big thing that is that a- I did not trust that I knew I wanted someone else to know. Right. And I wanted someone else to do it. But then again, at the same point, I didn't want to hurt people. I didn't want to do difficult things in the process. I was very, very, very stuck just in a lot of different ways. Right. And I think we both got to where we both really focused on the negatives. We both really focused on the stress. We both really focused on so many things. And, and I want to make sure at this point, we tell the listeners, this is the first 18 months of our marriage. This is yes. not like five years in. No, this is, and it's a very compacted period of time. Yeah. We went through a whole lot of stuff. We're not, we're not telling you everything. We're just, we're hitting like the 50,000 foot mark on this thing, uh, on where we were and, and touching on issues that we were dealing with. But we both really felt trapped. And I think we both really, I mean, our kids were unhappy. They made it very clear that they were unhappy and they made our relationship more difficult. Um, we had challenges, the office, certain people were not happy which made our relationship more difficult. I would literally go to the bathroom and people would say things behind my back and that I didn't know to Marcus and stuff like that to where he just felt very uncomfortable at the office. And then, um, you know, and then we come home and there were things that we weren't talking about, things we weren't communicating. We'd go out and try to have date night. We'd still talk about work or we would try not to talk about work. And then we would still be angry about work. And we'd end up arguing well, we end up arguing about it at one point in the evening. And in the meantime, we just didn't have any place to go to, to work these things out. And we just weren't talking to each other about what really mattered. We focused on the negatives. We did not focus on the positives and we did not give each other the space as we were blending our family, our business, our money, our careers, our future, our future. We didn't give each other that grace. 
And no, and we didn't. Um, and here's the irony in that in whole 18 month period of time is that I love, I loved you right. desperately, totally and completely. I cannot imagine my life without you at all. I, I love you. That's why we're sitting here today having this conversation. <laughs> right. I, I knew you, you are my boo-boo, right? Right. You're my boo-boo. Oh, you're going there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going there. I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that you're my boo-boo right. and you're the one that I love. I trust implicitly mm-hmm. with my life. I felt exactly the same way then. I just didn't know how to communicate effectively about all the different crap that was going on in our life. It was just overwhelming at that point. And that was, that was the sadness for me was Mm -hmm. I knew you were the one I knew you were meant to be in my life. I just didn't know how to do it without hurting you at that point in some way. So, and I think we both felt that way. I I really do. We both, we both knew we were hurting each other, but we didn't know how to fix it. And I think we, we literally went out for lunch one day, went to Christina's for Mexican food, got home and just, there was this, I'm going to call it an earthquake. It was a severe severing of the planet Mm -hmm. of, of a chasm that just erupted between us. Me on one side, you on the other. And we decided to separate. Mm-hmm. We did. Um, to this day, I still can't believe that I did that. Um, it, it, it's, it's not a moment I'm proud of and that I regret. Um, but looking back now, on the other side of things. Um, it's the best thing that we could have done in order for us to be able to have a chance to save our relationship. No, I completely agree. And we're, we're going to get more to that. And, and episode two is really going to be how we pulled ourselves out. So I wanted to make sure that we tell people, cause this is kind of a precursor to that. But what we ended up doing is I ended up moving out, getting an apartment and we, we were separated for three more years. So or almost three years, not quite three years, but we were separated for another three years almost. Mm-hmm. So we worked really hard, but Marcus went and got back in the metals industry. And um, we said, we have to put our relationship first and we had to be able to heal our family. We had to heal ourselves. We had to heal our relationship and even then we had a lot more that we had to deal with that even in our short relationship, we had a lot of our work to do just even at that point. Right. We had a, a whole lot of work to do and you know, the business needed work. We needed work individually. Our relationship needed work. Our children needed work. Everything needed to be worked on. And yeah. When we, Our finances needed work. <laughs> when, and, and when we and when we decided to get back together, we made a commitment that we were gonna we were gonna do whatever it took. Right. Forever, and we have. forever and always, right? Right. 
that's our deal. It's forever and always. Forever and always. And we were totally 100% committed to doing whatever it takes in order for us to be able to facilitate this life together. Right. And I'm so honored and I cherish you so much because we're here today. We are. Together, sitting in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. On vacation. On vacation. Mm-hmm. And all of our kids are coming up at the end of the weekend and they all like each other. They like us for the most part. We think. Especially when we pay for the vacation. Right, especially when we pay for the vacation <laughs> on food. So anyway, uh, life is really, really good for us right now. Yeah, it is. So, uh, you know. I'm we're really- going to get into how we got there because we still have mm-hmm. a lot of work to do. The mm-hmm. business is a really big part of that. Um, but we are a really big part of that too. Our personal transition, our personal growth that even as adults, because when we first got married, I was 38, 39, I think when we got Mm -hmm. married and you were 52. Mm -hmm. So there's 14 years between us. So we were not children. We had already been married previously. We'd already raised children to a large degree. So stay with us, jump on episode two, because I think you guys are going to love hearing how we were able to take this train wreck of a relationship, a train wreck of a business, a train wreck of personal relationships with friends and children and family members, and how today we've been able to rebuild and be able to get this going. So join us for episode two, because you're going to want to know all the details. We'll talk to you soon.